laugh about it. Cause we are crying behind sunglasses. Hey, 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 sunnies. Welcome back to Crying Behind Sunglasses, a mental health podcast for cool people. I'm your host, Kayla Dahl. How are we feeling today? I hope you're doing okay. I am actually feeling pretty good. I have to say it's been almost two months on a new antidepressant and it's helping me out a lot. I've really quieted the noise in my brain. I'm still adjusting to this new normal. (laughs) I haven't had this feeling of this much stability in a while and it's weirdly uncomfortable. This morning, for the first time in a few weeks, I woke up with some anxiety and I was like, oh, hey, old friend, nice to see you. Which was funny because I caught myself feeling weirdly like happy, like, oh, I remember what this feels like, but I don't know. I'm going on a total tangent. I guess what I'm trying to say is that if you are comfortable in your anxiety and depression and then you start to feel weird when you start to feel better, uh, I see you because I am you. So on today's episode, we recorded it right before Valentine's Day. And we also talked a little bit about couples therapy. And so it got me thinking about partnership, love. By the way, those people that say that Valentine's Day is for all kinds of love are lying. It's for lovers. It's for people to do stupid things like buy heart-shaped candy boxes and roses uh, or propose on the most cliche day of the year to do it, okay? When people are posting like, oh, you can celebrate Valentine's Day with your dog or with your family, it's not the same kind. It's it's about romantic love. Those of us who are single, we're keenly aware of this, all these coupley posts. I tried to stay away from social media as much as possible. And I also planned a little Galentine's Day that night with my friend Rose. We got together, we ordered some sushi, we watched the Olympics. It was, it was lovely, you know? So on the topic of partnership, here is a quick poem from Young Pueblo about that. Uh, his latest book is called Clarity and Connection. It's really awesome. I'm going to link it in the show notes and on the episode guide on Crying Behind Pod. So here it is. Find a partner you do not have to perform for. When you are both committed to honesty and have active compassion for each other, there is no need to behave in ways that are not genuine. True love is welcoming each other's changing emotions with open arms. Though you are both dedicated to becoming the best versions of yourselves, you also understand that not every day will be a good day and not every step will be a step forward. Being in a relationship with a high degree of authenticity and gentleness allows both partners to let down their guards and feel at home. And isn't that what we all want at the end of the day? Just to feel at home with someone? Mm. So, Without further ado, today's guest is Michaela Myers. Uh, She is an artist who works mostly in film as a director, producer, and actor. Uh, Her film, Tristan and Isaac, is available on her website. And uh, she has another short film that will be coming out later this year. 
The topics that we cover include directing and acting in her short film and how that can be really difficult, you know, being in front of and behind the camera at the same time. Motherhood. It's not for everyone. Living with ADD and tips on how to focus when you need to get shit done. Also, couples therapy, how we can develop empathy for our partners. After today's episode, if you want to learn more about our guest or any resources, you can check out cryingbehindpod.com. Of course, if you like what you hear, then please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. It really helps us out. So please enjoy. Please welcome to the show, Michaela Myers. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much having me yeah thank you for being here i appreciate you um i appreciate you i appreciate you being patient with all the zoom oh my gosh technical you. and you too thank you we yeah. figured it out we both were having the same experience we're both like i think we maybe the other person thought the wrong day but we did it we did it i mean everything from here it's like i've we've already achieved the goal <laughs> Uh, we're moving forward oh do you have a dog there oh my god i'm so sorry that's okay that's gonna happen i have two one okay. of them starts barking and then the other one joins in because she's deaf uh-huh. or she's mostly deaf. So she has no idea what she's barking at. She just joins in. So, I know how that is. I'm sorry. That's okay. What uh, what kind of dogs do you have? Um, one of them is like a, the old one is this little Chihuahua Terrier. She's old and angry and mostly deaf and mm-hmm. partially blind, I think. Her, her name's Summer. She's super cute, very smart. But mm-hmm. um, And then the other one is she's this mutt she came from the dog meat industry and Mm. like uh when she was a puppy she was flown over so she's she's like very scared of all people she was basically born in they they call it like being born in prison or born in jail because she was born in a cage Uh so she's terrified of everyone and everything and she at least not afraid is she afraid of you Mm, no she likes me but it did take i had to earn her trust for sure right my boyfriend john really had to warm up get her to warm up to him so yeah, I have another friend that got a dog from one of those like dog meat plant mm-hmm. like rescues, and it's the same kind of thing where that dog is just kind of like a little, little off, a little different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's quirky for sure. <laughs> takes takes them a while. So, Michaela, since this is like a mental health podcast, I guess what what I want to do, let's like take a deep breath together, you know, and let's do like a little mental health check in, like how. Love it. How are you feeling right now in this moment, in your body, in your mind? What's going on? Thank you for asking me that question. <laughs> I, uh, you caught me on a good weekend. Okay, I'm good. Very, I'm having a great like mental health weekend, which is, I, I've had such a kind of a down period for a while. Mm-hmm. So this is, I feel like I'm very much mentally earned this weekend. <laughs> I am very grateful. I, I'm just, I get really bad seasonal depression i mean i generally fight struggle with depression in general yeah. but the, in the winter even in la it's just because of the shorter days i yeah, yeah yeah no i i totally understand that i really wish that they would change it i thought we voted to change it a while ago where like the sun isn't because like even if we didn't change the clock the sun is already going to set earlier but then yeah. they're like oh no the sun's going to set at 4 30 every a- day it's too much. I get so depressed because I'll wake up and I'll be like, okay, I can, I can accomplish a lot today. I can make this a good day. I can be productive. And then I start to kind of do things. And then it's like one thing I have done. And then the sun goes down and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> there finished. goes the day. I need to go in my bed now. 
So I get really depressed and then I get like down on myself because I think I'm like, am I lazy? But you know, I just, I need sunshine. And so yesterday was really nice and today is really beautiful. And I took a long walk and I feel very grateful for this gorgeous day. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I've heard there are some people who get like, if they get seasonal depression, they'll get like a special lamp mm. that you can have in your house that at that certain time will give you the feeling as if the sun is still out. I don't know if that works or not. You know, honestly, like, I I think that's such a great idea. <laughs> now I want to go buy that lamp because I think that old Michaela would have been like, oh, that's silly. I'll just turn on my own lamps. But now I'm hearing you say that. And I'm like, I'll try anything. Yeah. I try anything I'll, once, right? I'll do it. I'm I'm like, give me the weighted blanket. Give me all the stuff. I, I'm, I'm 36. I can't mess around anymore yeah i love a weighted blanket i mean or sometimes like if if i'm uh you know if i'm seeing someone like i'll have someone lay yes. on me yes like a friend or a significant other have the yeah. person lay on me as if i'm a weighted blanket and it kind of squeezes all oh, of the feelings it. out like all the bad feelings oh i'm a big fan i have john <laughs> lay on me my, my partner i have him lay on me a lot and he just thinks I'm such a weirdo, but I just, I'm like, oh, that feels good. Just lay on me. I mean, it doesn't matter what he thinks. He's still helping. He's doing yeah. it. Yeah. So exactly. <laughs> that's very sweet of him. Where are you from originally? I'm from, originally I'm from Washington state, uh -huh. but I, I always used to say, oh, I'm from Montana. Cause I did like my high school years in Montana. Oh, what part? Um, in the Pacific or, oh my God, the, not the Pacific Northwest. That's where I grew up. I, mm -hmm. the, in Montana, I, I grew up in the Flathead Valley, which is um, where Whitefish is and Kalispell. That's like the most beautiful area, like Glacier National Park. So got very spoiled with the beauty. All the nature yeah. out there. All the nature. I, 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 you know, I didn't really understand when I was growing up how privileged we were with nature. Like we, in the summer, we would just take empty milk jugs and go up to Glacier National Park and hike and fill them with huckleberries and then go home and like make pies and jams and that was just like something we did. That's and now, so wholesome. So wholesome. And it was like, oh, let's just go on a hike and like pick some huckleberries. And now as an adult, I'm like, I would die for a day like that. <laughs> I would love to just be able to like do that on a day. Is your family still in Montana? No, everyone, everyone has left. My mom was the last one. Mm -hmm. My parents split up like forever ago. Mm -hmm. And um, they my dad was there for a little bit. And then my mom was there. She like moved away, moved back. And then my brother moved and then my my sister moved to washington state um she to the seattle area and she's raising her kids there with her husband and my um both my brother and my dad moved to oregon and my mom just moved to washington state to be with my sister which is mm -hmm. fantastic because as your parents get older you get worried about them even she's fine but i still am like i want her to be taken care of and okay and yeah you don't have alone. to be alone yeah, and my sister has kids, and she just gets to be grandma with them all the time, and she's just having the time of her life, so that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Are you enjoying being being an aunt? Yes, it's the best thing ever. I don't <laughs> want to have kids, so, yeah. There you best. go. Well, and, and see, that's good that your sister had kids, so she, like, took the pressure off of you. Big time. Right? She loves it. She's, like, made to be a mom, and I just... I always thought I would be a mom and then I got older and I'm just terrified of giving birth. That just sounds absolutely horrible to me. Like the pain of it? Like the whole experience, like mm -hmm. um, just having something inside me, I, the person inside me, I just, it's not for me. I don't, I don't have like that, that 
I don't have that desire at all. Um, yeah, having a person side of you. When you put it that way, it does make it sound like it's like alien. You yeah, know? <laughs> I, I think it's like so beautiful that other people do that and amazing. I, I always like love when someone's pregnant. I get so excited for them. I'm, I think it's so special. But for my to happen to me is the not interesting to me. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, yeah. That's the thing is that I I feel like uh, motherhood and pregnancy. It's not for everyone. And that's fine, you know? And, um, like, for me, I think I used to be really fixated on the idea of, like, I really want to have kids. And then um, went through a crazy breakup last year. And now I'm just like, well, like, if it happens, great. I'm open to it. But I'm not obsessed with it as a goal anymore, which is probably healthier, Yeah, you know? Before before you broke up, did you think you would have kids with your partner? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. It's funny how these things, how like being with a certain person will change that for you too. Or I guess breaking up with someone can change yeah, that Yeah, I guess so. Well, just because like I'm in my thirties and like I, that person specifically, like we were engaged. Mm-hmm. I had had this whole thing where like, oh, we're going to get married. And then like a certain amount of time after the wedding, we'll start trying to have yeah. kids. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm not going to do that, but like, I think that I want to kind of focus on me for a while. <laughs> That's great. That's great. You got to yeah. do you. Do you think that you'd ever want to get married? Do you think that that'll happen maybe in the future for you? We'll see. I told we'll my see. parents after all this happened, I was like, because we were planning like this big wedding and I had, oh, wow. I, I had sent out save the dates. Wow. So we had to, you know, cancel everything. It was very dramatic. And I was just kind of like. It's very courageous is what it is. Very courageous of you to make that choice for yourself. Thank you. No, I'm not, I'm not criticizing myself as being dramatic. I'm just saying the the whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. Planning a big wedding. It's kind of a nightmare and like a part-time job that I didn't sign up for. And I told my parents, I was like, no, if, if this ever happens again, I'll elope. And then if we stay together for at least a year after we elope, then you can throw us a party if you want to. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's kind of. I don't know if that's too casual of me, but I just feel like... Oh, that's exactly the way I want to do it. Uh, John and I, have, you know, we decided if we ever got married that we were like, we'll probably elope or just have like a party and be like, surprise, we got married or something. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't need to be this like big pomp and circumstance yeah. and like all the fighting and the bridesmaids and the yeah stuff, you know. Yeah. It's, Some people uh... really love that and that's like good for them. You know, they want that. It's great. Good um, for them. But yeah. you gotta, you gotta really want that. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I talk a lot about mental health issues on here, and one of my favorite things for stress relief, help with sleep, or even just aches and pains is CBD. I'm really happy to be partnered with Papa and Barkley because their CBD products are top of the line. CBD is from cannabis, but it's non-intoxicating, so it won't get you high. It'll just help you to feel a little bit better. Papa and Barkley uses artisanal methods with their farmers who hand plant, harvest, and slow cure the plants without any machinery or chemicals. It's all natural, baby. So go pick yourself up a tincture, a topical relief balm, or even some gummies. Go to papaandbarkleycbd.com and use code CRYING, that's C-R-Y-I-N-G, for 20% off it's a special deal for my Crying Behind Sunglasses listeners. Again, go to papaandbarkleycbd.com and use code CRYING. 
speaking of romance, I really enjoyed your short film, um, Tristan and Isaac, which um, people can check out on your website. It's just so beautiful and so tragic. And thank you for watching it. I really enjoyed it. Of course. Yeah. No, I wanted to get a better idea of your art before we talk. Was that inspired by something from your life or something that you saw? How did you come up with the idea? Honestly, I wrote it a while ago and it was just a kind of an exercise for me to write a short film and just to see if I could write something that was easy to shoot and um, like that was going to be simple and I I really just love classic romances Mm -hmm. so um, you know it's like I I grew up on that stuff I grew up on beautiful romance shot on film and so that was something when I was kind of like deciding to make the next step into directing my own short Mm because I had produced and I directed web series and stuff Um, and I had uh, this friend who was was a I'd say a much bigger director. He's like more of a legitimate director, you know. He he directs studio stuff. I think that you're legitimate, but yes. I I I think I'm legitimate too. But you know, he's like he's he's done a little bit more. I get you. Yeah, he has studio releases and stuff like Uh that. He's he's a lovely person, and he was very encouraging. And he said, you know, let me read it. And he so he was he was very encouraging. And I think that that was just kind of the like I needed someone else to say this is good, do it. Yeah. Um, and not like a friend because he, I didn't really know him that well at the time. So for him to be so encouraging was exciting to me. And then I just had this vision because I fell in love with film and I was like, I have to shoot it on 16 millimeter. I think it'll just be so beautiful. And I want it to feel like a memory and feel mm-hmm. like, I just really wanted to capture this feeling of intimacy. I think the most special thing about a relationship and any relationship you have with a person is that it is only between the two of you. Like nobody else can understand it fully. You could try to describe it all day long to someone, but your experience between the two of you is a sacred, intimate thing that is just yours. And that is the most beautiful thing. And, And so I was trying to capture that like bubble of being in that space and film got like, it has so much texture and I just, it feels a lot like real life and really intimate and so Mm -hmm. I wanted it to feel like that so yeah it was a it was an amazing experience you know yeah all filmmaking isn't perfect but it teaches you a lot you grow a lot so yeah well I I admire you a lot for actually shooting it on film thank you I did notice that and that's really cool because these days it's like everything is digital everyone's got a camera in their pocket no one seems to really care versus like i'm sure if you're shooting on film then every take you're really uh being a little bit more precious about it because you only have x amount of rolls of physical film physical film it's and it's expensive and you have to like budget i mean i had to budget my budget was higher because of film um so yeah there were a lot of challenges and for sure i only had two or three takes I think most, maybe three takes for most, most shots. Um, yeah. But so it was, it was a big lift and obviously I was directing and acting in it and, and producing. So there was a lot of hats to be worn, but I've done that for years now. Like I've been doing all that stuff just by being a scrappy filmmaker and making my own stuff. So that was, it was kind of the, the moment where I was like, I have gotten good enough at this now that I feel comfortable doing all of these things. And, um, and the film just added an extra challenge that I had to rise to. And I, I love to challenge myself, but I also wanted to be able to say like, ultimately, you know, I didn't go to film school. This is my film school, learning mm-hmm. how to make a project on 16 millimeter. And also I want to be able to say, I, I want to be able to have that experience of holding that in my hand, my, my movie, holding it in my hand and, um, and having 
in future projects have people be able to trust me with film. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. also just not even like the technical aspect, but I think emotionally it's definitely worth watching because I felt that intimacy that you were talking about was really coming through and falling in love and also heartbreak and loss. And it's just, it was really great. So definitely well, people you. check it out. I don't want to say too much because spoilers. Yeah. I mean, it's only a short, but still it's, like, yeah, you know, I short. want people to see it. I don't want to say everything that happens. Oh, and, and I should tell people too, that there's a version with nudity and then there's a version you can watch without nudity. If you oh, search well, it, no nudity. So. I watched the adult version, I guess. Okay, cool. So yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you again so much for watching it. I'm oh really yeah. No, absolutely. That you took the time. I mean, yeah. we're, I'm, I'm also a woman in film and I think we should always be supporting each other. And, and I love your short you know, film, uh, we'll never make it. Is that what yes, it's called? Thank yes. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's on Amazon. Um, it's definitely. so great. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, I also was in front of and behind the camera. Mm -hmm. It's a big challenge. You're such a boss. Yeah. It, it's a lot of work. It takes, takes, I mean, game recognized game, you know? I know. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I think that's so cool that people that, that you did that. I think that I still get people who act like you can't do both well. And that still is like a stigma. It's like, people are like, well, you do, are you sure you want to act in it? Because that then your acting is going to suffer if you're directing or your directing will suffer if you're acting. And I just think like, it doesn't like, have to, well, I mean, I think it really, yeah. it's just depends on the circumstance when, so did you, um, start doing like, um, theater or film when you were a kid or when did, when did your interest come about? How did you figure out that that was something you were good at? I think that I grew up being this weird, precocious child that was very aware of things in the world and um, was dealing with a lot of mental health stuff as a child. I, I think that I was diagnosed ADD mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I just, I had a lot of family problems at home. I, my parents didn't have the best relationship, so that was very difficult. And mm -hmm. so I think that I was a weird creative kid that wanted to be liked and wanted and I always have had like I always I love people intently and intensely so mm -hmm. I would um every everybody in my life I would just want to make them feel good and make mm -hmm. them feel seen and special so I think even as a child I was trying to make people laugh and entertain people and that was always the best feeling if I could get find out what makes someone laugh what what it is that makes them feel good um, so that just naturally, as I got older, it was like, oh, I want to do more of this. And mm -hmm. so I was always auditioning for plays and stuff and, um, doing speech and debate in high school. And yeah, yeah it was always like the weird, the weird kid. I, I never got to do, I never got to be the lead. I never got to do any of like, I, I always felt like a little unseen, but in the back of my mind, I was like, someday I'm gonna, I'm gonna be older and I'm gonna get to do whatever I want. And, and, and look at you living the dream. And now, now I'm older and I do whatever the hell I want. So <laughs> That's the good part about adulthood. You do, you do do whatever you want. And you said you had ADD or undiagnosed ADD as a child. What was that I like? Think so I think I, I, you know, I'm like I told you uh, earlier in our chat before yeah. we started recording was I think I'm undiagnosed and I would like to get a diagnosis. It's something I'm I'm trying to work on. But I think um, I felt very frustrated as a student always mm -hmm. because it was like I, I found a one of my. Uh, report cards from when I was in third grade the other day mm -hmm. and it said Michaela is a pleasure to have in class she uh you know had some other compliment and it said but she is d constantly distracting the other students mm -hmm. and I would like her to focus more and I was like that right there is 
the, you know, like, why didn't anyone ever say like, Michaela has a problem with focusing, let's address that. Right. Um, whereas instead, I think I lived my whole life masking big time. Like I was masking these problems because I was like, I'm not allowed to be anything but the good girl and be focused. Right. And, and it was always very, very difficult for me. Like my sister is a natural academic and she can you know she could go home and she could study for hours and absorb the material really well whereas i had just such a hard time focusing on anything i was doing and just like classic add if i'm up against the wall i can do it really well but i have to get pushed up against the wall to do it mm -hmm. really well so i wrote like all my papers within like the last hour before they were due um so i just it was like always very stressful you know it was very That's stressful tough. have you yeah. have you figured out any tricks uh for yourself to like if you do have a big project to get yourself to focus in on the work? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm figuring out more and more all the time. I think coming to terms with maybe being ADD uh, or ADHD, I'm not sure, is something sure. that only happened within the past year or so once I started. So my partner has ADD and he mm. was diagnosed as a child. And I actually, when we started dating, I was like, I want to learn more about his uh, his you know, stuff that he has sure. neurodivergent issues. So I was learning a lot about uh, his conditions. And in the process, while learning about ADD, I was like, I think this is me. And then learning about how women mask, I was like, this is me. I have all of these traits. This is my life. Yeah. Um, and I've always been a person that liked to multitask or like to do different things at once. But I have kind of forced myself over time to just focus on one thing. Yeah, monotask. To monotask. Um, but I since maybe you know coming to terms with i think i'm add i've learned that if i let myself honor those impulses a little like if i'm working and i'm writing and i say okay i want to go clean the kitchen right now and then i'm like oh no actually i want to do the toilet or then i want to pick up this book and read for five minutes sometimes i'm way more productive if i just honor some of those impulses and overall like i'll get more done mm -hmm. and i don't think specifically that's probably good for everybody but for me i think i've been resisting that so long that it's like uncomfortable and then i get so stressed out and overwhelmed at all at like all the things i need to do whereas if i just go and do them a little bit at a time i end up actually getting them all completed um, yeah because suppressing your impulses i feel like over time that would give you anxiety or yes it would you would feel kind of stuck because you're like well okay if I it, like, if I'm just focusing on all the things that I shouldn't be doing, then I'm just sitting here yeah. paralyzed. Yeah. And thinking that there's like one right way to do something like, oh, Beyonce does this. She works like this. So I need to work like that. I need to be laser focused or whatever. But I'm Beyonce. Beyonce. We, listen, I'm, we can't all be Beyonce. Yeah, okay. Beyonce. <laughs> I'm, I'm Michaela Myers and I'm doing my own thing. So I have to just honor the way that I work and, um, uh, you know, I'm, that's just how it is. So, yeah, I mean, but some, some days we can try and be Beyonce, but I mean, it, it's just some days we can, yeah. and every <laughs> now and then I am depending on the outfit that I've got on, you know, right. Exactly. <laughs> I have a very sparkly dress and I put it on and I'm Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you also, I have a segment that I like to call hot tips. Hot tips, hot tips, hot tips. Michaela, if you have a shitty day, whatever that looks like for you, when you get home, um, what is something nice that you do for yourself to turn your mood around? Oh, that's a good question. And it could um, be anything. It could be like food, music, calling a friend, taking a I'd, bath. I'd say that there's 
realistically two things that I do and Mm -hmm. one is maybe healthier than the other one's more like a comfort thing the comfort thing is I put on friends I have seen friends I don't know a hundred times all the way through that's not an exaggeration like it's something that I've put on repeat repeatedly like it's just a comfort thing so it automatically makes me laugh I I know all the jokes I know all the characters but they feel like my friends like I know them so well (laughs) so um it's very comforting it's like getting in a warm bath or you know putting a weighted blanket on it feels like that to me so that's something that's maybe you know it's like a coping thing but it feels good always Mm -hmm. cheers me up um and then I think the other thing is if I'm, if I can do it, I'll do like just five minutes of yoga or some sun salutations. I always feel good when I do a couple of sun salutations, like it'll just change my mood. It makes me feel invigorated. It makes me feel positive and optimistic. And so, yeah, just get the blood flowing. Uh, so back to friends, I grew up watching friends, like when it was on, I'm sure you do too. Me too. Yeah. My mom and I would watch, like it was Thursday night. It was always, uh, Seinfeld and friends and Frasier. Mm -hmm. Which, oh, Frasier. God, looking it. back, it's crazy that all three of those shows were on at the same time, same night. Yeah. Uh, so which friend are you? I think I'd be lying if I said I wasn't Phoebe. Okay. Um, yeah, that checks I, out. Yeah. I think I like to think I'm, I, you know, I, I think I vary. I'm a little Monica because I'm kind of neurotic and a uh-huh. little controlling. Um, I think my boyfriend would say I'm very controlling. <laughs> <laughs> but we're working on that. But yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm probably most like Phoebe. I'm kind of go with the flow. I'm, well, I have my own rules that I live quirky. by. Quirky, you know, I'm, you know, I might be, I'm, I'm going to surprise you with my preferences about things and my choices. So yeah, I'm kind of a wild card, I think, realistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes I'd like, sense. I'd like to be the Rachel, but. Everyone uh, wants to be the Rachel. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'd like to be the Rachel, but I'm not, I'm not Phoebe, so. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? No, what about you? I have always wanted to be a Rachel, but as I've gotten older, I've just accepted the fact that I'm a Monica. Yeah. <laughs> so. Is that because, like, you're neurotic or what do you? Yeah. What, what makes you a Monica? I guess I just really love spreadsheets and I like organizing things. Yeah. And I like when things are just so. And I definitely am neurotic and if I get triggered in a relationship my thing that I do if I'm not being conscious about it is I will get kind of like bossy or controlling I've been working on it you know so I think that I'm a lot better at live and let live now yeah but yeah I mean like if I'm stressed if I clean my house mm, oh yeah just get so happy I feel you on that (laughs) I love a little organization I I mean I love it I'm I'm very much like that too I love sitting down and doing my budget that's so soothing to me to (laughs) really my budget I almost never honor it but I love to do it you like it in theory (laughs) I love it in theory I just like the numbers and like seeing like oh this is how much I'll have left over and I can invest this and I I love it it's very soothing but yeah yeah I wish I had a budget I don't know what's wrong with me I've been get I don't know how I've gotten this far in life I just kind of like check my bank account every once in a while and I'm like all right like we're good I think we're good yeah (laughs) yeah I think that's normal I think most people are, are are like that yeah yeah I mean, I, I'd like to be better. I think all of us would. I don't know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you said you're a little, uh, a little like controlling, and you work on that. You're working on that also. Like you said, you're a little bossy, controlling in relationships. I, that's something I deal with too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I think what's helped me to let go of it is to realize that, for me at least, that it was a trauma response because, like, mm-hmm. I grew up 
in an environment where there were a lot of things that were out of my control. My closest sibling, Chad, he has autism. And uh, Mm -hmm. so I was always kind of like the one that was looking out for both of us. Yeah. And kind of had to tell him what to do sometimes just to keep things uh, going, you know? Yeah. So I think as an adult, I've had to unlearn those behaviors. Yeah. But it's really normal for like if you have had trauma that when you um, feel like things are traumatic then you're like oh this is my my trauma response is just to control things because then I can feel like I'm gonna have a control over the outcome and I'm not gonna get hurt mm-hmm. again that kind of thing and yeah. I think the the longer I'm around the more I realize it's like yeah actually like most of the good things that have happened in my life have not come from me like perfectly planning them or controlling right. them and if I can just learn to let go a little bit then then life is actually more fun and so that's just something that I've had to like unlearn over time. It's uh, I feel like I see a little bit of that in your short, that <laughs> char- your character in your short. She's like, has to let go a little mm-hmm. of everything not going well. Um, but yeah. that's, that's a great thing to be aware of. I think like having that awareness, I, I've worked really hard on that as well. Mm-hmm. I, I was a very I think, controlling in a lot of ways and I still have those, it pops up a lot in my relationship when we, have tension or stuff. So I, I relate very much to that. And I think it's probably the same for me, like a trauma response. So yeah, it's a, something I'm constantly unlearning and, and working on. Yeah. Have you been to therapy before? Yeah. I've done therapy on and off for years. Um, we, my, my boyfriend and I actually go to therapy together. Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah. It's awesome. I really like it. Um, we kind of bounced around. We did like, we were with another therapist and then we took a break from therapy and he was doing it on his own. And then we did it together again. And, um, we have this guy that I, I like love him. He's the best therapist I've had in my whole life. And if anyone, yeah, if anyone wants to reach out to me and I will recommend him to you, he is amazing. I, he's very clear and he really is, he reads like body language very well. And he'll kind of tell you like, I see this in you right now. I see you're feeling like, maybe you're feeling this. Is that how you're feeling? He's been the best at helping you tap into your own emotional experience out of any therapist I've ever had. It's he's superb. So I love that's him. That's so cool. I'm glad to hear that. And what's, mm-hmm. um, what's the best thing you've learned in couples therapy that's helped your relationship? So we're working on like having more empathy uh-huh. for each other's experience in the moment. And even not, even if not in the moment, then afterwards and having a discussion about that. And, you know, that was something we kind of pinpointed in one of our early sessions was, you know, all of our problems really come out from all of our fights really happen when we're not understanding each other's emotional experience in that moment. Mm. And um, that seems so simple, but it's like when we kind of go through our emotional experiences about like, he'll be like, okay, give us an example of a fight and then we'll kind of go through it. And then we'll talk about what we were each feeling. Mm-hmm. And he has us, he has us like really express our feelings on in just basic ways. He'll be like, were you, what were you feeling? You know, sad. And just even saying I'm sad sometimes is really so it's helped so much just I really am starting to understand John more and his experiences more and he's I think starting to understand me more and we're really hearing each other and getting to be able to emotionally understand each other is just getting us so much closer and when we fight or when we argue it's it they're resolved so much quicker because we're able to kind of like get more on the same page faster that's so beautiful yeah I mean I think that the 
reason that we get into relationships is is that deep human need to be understood. Absolutely. And so if you don't have that understanding, then that can be really tough. And like, it sounds like you guys are working on building that. And that's so, that's so yeah. cool. I love that. Yeah. And it's, I, it's, it's interesting that you think like, you know, someone and I'm like, I know him. And you know, I, or I think like, this is what's happening to him right now. And I have a very strong idea of what's happening. Mm-hmm. But then when he really gets to share it with me, I'm, I'm learning about just how our, uh, and our therapist, Alex has also um, been good about like how our life experiences will lead us to have different experiences to be experiencing something differently which of course you know but like really understanding where we've come from in our childhoods has really helped us get closer too have you guys gotten into like love languages uh we've talked about that a little bit yeah Uh i think um what's your love language have you done the quiz i did the quiz it was a while ago i'm trying to think i'm very I really like words of affirmation, mm-hmm. although not, a, I think now I've kind of like grown out of that a little bit. Um, I think I'm really, I really love touch. I'm really mm-hmm. a touch person. I just, I like physical affection. I like my hand being held and John loves that as well. I think he's, his, he's very clearly like a physical touch person. That's good. So, That's good when you're on the same page. Yeah. I think that my yeah. top ones are like words of affirmation and, um, gifts oh yeah gifts love a gift who doesn't love a gift (laughs) (laughs) just just throwing that out there for any listeners you know i'll put my amazon wish list no just kidding i don't even have an amazon wish list maybe i should make one (laughs) uh oh valentine's day geez yeah that is coming up uh as we're recording this i I know in a week or two holiday yeah yeah what what are your thoughts on valentine's day I don't care. I mean, I like the, maybe the excuse to celebrate love. You know, mm-hmm. I had a boyfriend once years ago who he was like, I know Valentine's day is really cheesy and it's made up holiday, but I like, I love love and I want to celebrate it with you. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, cool. So um, I'm not opposed to it. I like any mm-hmm. excuse to go out and have a nice dinner. And I think that's what we're going to do. So there you go. I, I just, you know, I don't, I don't really care. I, I'm very non, um, I have no, like I'm missing that chip about like traditions or like holidays. I don't, I don't have any really like, like Christmas I could do without, I don't care. So um, if it matters to someone else, then I will participate. So, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think you're missing a chip. I think you're just, you know, everybody has their own preference. Everybody has their own. Yeah. Yeah. Which I learned in therapy recently that I'm probably the reason I probably don't like Christmas is because of, my experience growing up. Oh, like you had negative experiences surrounding the holidays. Yeah, of course. No, I I feel very similarly about Thanksgiving. Like Mm -hmm. I've just had so many bad things that have happened on Thanksgiving that like it always brings up weird feelings for me. Right. So I totally understand. Yeah. (laughs) I used to think I was like, I just don't care about it. And then, you know, uh, uh, after my last therapy session, he was like, I think you just hate the holidays. I was like crying. I was like, I think you're right. <laughs> That's good. But isn't that good when like a therapist can just pinpoint like exactly what you're thinking, you know? And you're yeah. like, oh, oh yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. That's one thing, like I was saying, I think he's so wonderful. And I think he's articulated a lot of my feelings that I'm having trouble articulating or he's encouraging me to find that language. And then he kind of guides me towards it. He's great. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, no, absolutely. Finding a good therapist. I feel like finding a good therapist, it can be like dating. Like it's tough. Cause... It's so hard. I've done the gamut with them. Yeah. yeah. Like what was your worst or like craziest oh, experience? I have a good one. Okay. So when I was um, 
a teenager or yes you know I was like maybe I I can't remember how old I was I was a kid Mm -hmm. um my dad and I did not have a very good relationship growing up and there was a lot of it was very difficult we definitely didn't see eye to eye on things and you know I had an experience of how he saw and treated me Mm-hmm. And I went to therapy for that and discussed it with my therapist and felt like my therapist really understood me. And then we had a session with my father and he came in and my dad had, he has his own experience sure. of how our relationship was. And he basically denied that everything I said um, had happened. So Ugh. I felt you know, very emotional. And as a child, I was like, he's lying. He's lying, you know, like he's denying all this stuff that he did that I think is abusive or whatever. Um, And my therapist was, I just remember I had kind of like earned her trust. And then I felt like she all of a sudden was like, oh, well, he's right. And wow. And it took his side. Yeah. And I hate saying like took a side, but that is what, I mean, when you're a kid, that's also how it felt. And I felt Mm -hmm. so like I had, it was just so hard. I, I still think of that moment. Like it was traumatizing. Cause it yeah. was like, I just felt, I was like, I'm not crazy. I know that my experience is real. And yeah. I, and it's, but it was an experience. Of course I was having within my family. So it wasn't like happening, you know, my, nobody else really knew about that experience. Mm-hmm. It was happening within my, within my family. So for me, I was like, this therapist is going to understand me and understand why I'm having problems. And that was just really traumatizing. Like to feel like I was just a lot, like the words my dad used was Michaela has a very active imagination. And that was, uh, you know, it's like so That's, dismissive. That is very dismissive. I'm so sorry that happened yeah. to you. And like, it's pretty brave of you to go back to therapy after that, because yeah. to be that, to have your trust violated in that way, especially when you're at a young age, like that's tough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was hard. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'm trying to think like the first time I went to therapy, yeah, do you have any crazy experiences? Nothing crazy. I mean, as a kid, I went along with my brother a lot of times to his behavioral therapist, which was just, like, interesting because they would teach me things. Right. When I was there about how to help him. Like, he didn't talk until he was about four, and he threw a lot of tantrums up until he was about ten. And Did you do, like, join your world exercises or things like that? Were they, like, have you... I, I did. I worked with autistic kids mm-hmm. in uh, college as part of a, a volunteer program, and it was all about like joining their world and stimming with them. Or did you did you do any of that or no? Join your world? No, I don't know anything about that. What is that? Oh, interesting. Uh, it was it was it's. I guess it's like one school of thought. I can't remember what it's called, but um, basically, it's you join them. So rather than, I, I mean, I don't know how else you would do it, but I guess like if they're stimming, you stim with them, whatever they're doing, like whatever huh. activity. So I would just. Go for like an hour I would meet with this uh boy and I would just join him in his world and it was like an empty room with his toys and we would just like whatever toy he was playing with I would play with the toy too I would just try to engage with him however whatever he was doing if he was stimming like tapping on something or or making a sound I would do it with him and it was I guess the school of thought is that like uh rather than trying to force them to come into our world you join them in theirs and then they feel safer and uh so yeah, I don't know. Huh. 
Yeah, I haven't heard of that before. That's really interesting. No, I think uh, we were doing like behavioral modification and stuff. And so it was mm. just like trying to figure out how to mm. help him to learn to like read all the different cues and to mm. be more social mm-hmm. and things like that. And so the whole family had to kind of participate in positive reinforcement. I remember we had M&Ms and it was always like, you know, if you do this, then you get M&Ms, like <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, and I love was... that your whole family did it. That's so beautiful. Yeah, well, I think... For something like that to be successful, in my opinion, like the whole family has to be on board. Absolutely. The person who has the disability needs to feel supported. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, that was really important. And um, he's has a great quality of life now and he's um, independent and happy. He's probably the happiest person I know, which is so cool. And I think a lot of that is because we did a lot of this early intervention and we were able to help him to be in this world and not feel so frustrated by everything. And then as far as like my own experiences with therapy, I would say I didn't go until I was like, I don't know, 18 or 19. I went to like Mm. a, but it was a student counselor at NYU. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like therapy therapy. Mm -hmm. I think I, I didn't go to like real therapy until after college. Yeah. But definitely recommend it i think every adult even if you think you're totally well adjusted you could still use like just like a, i don't know maybe a month of therapy just to go through like hey did anything happen to you in your childhood that fucked you up because like maybe you want to fix that before you yeah. get into an adult relationship i don't know yes <laughs> i think it's i also recommend it for everyone i think it's very very good to have it some point for some period of time. Yeah, you know. like not everyone needs to do it forever, but just like, I don't know, go get yeah. checked out. See what's yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, get it checked out. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Do you have any last uh, words of wisdom before we go? Anybody who might be struggling out there with um, depression or anxiety? I'm a real big fan of that suicide hotline. I think that um it's scary to call i've called it myself before and i think that it's very helpful and those people are professionals and if you're in a really like really dark place or you're having an anxiety attack i called once and i was having an anxiety attack and that was very helpful they definitely have questions that they need to ask you know and you can they're trained to ask these questions um but it's always nice to have someone who will just sit with you through something so i think if you're feeling alone or confused or anxious I am a big fan of that hotline. Yeah, the National Suicide Hotline. I will put the mm. uh, number in the description because I don't have it memorized off the top of my head. I should. Uh... There's also that that Logic song, that the rapper Logic. He has a song that's the, the name of it is the Suicide Hotline number, which is pretty cool. Okay, I just Google it. It's 800-273-8255. Yeah, so... Yeah, no, I think that's that's a great tip and uh, something that people forget because especially during lockdown, it's so easy to feel alone. But like that hotline mm-hmm. is open 24-7 and there are people who are trained to, you know, literally talk you off the ledge. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I mean, it sounds cliche, but it does. It gets better. Yeah, Life it does. Is worth living. This is, yeah. you know, this is not the end. Oh, we're so lucky to be here. <laughs> it's honestly a miracle that we you know, the sperm made it to the egg and that we were, we, we, we were pushed out and everything. 
or you know if it was a c-section kind of i don't know but yeah. it's a miracle that we're here and that we made it to this age I, I did come out through the sunroof but oh there you I, go that's i made sun- it <laughs> <laughs> i lost through the sunroof that's amazing uh, i heard that saying recently and i was like that's funny that's i'm it. stealing that that is so good <laughs> uh yeah I came, I came i came into life through the sunroof and uh you know just 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 grateful to be here like yeah. you said and I think also having that daily gratitude practice uh, speaking of, of that, I think that's so helpful really yeah. helpful too because even if things are really bad you can still sit there and say like okay I'm grateful for the food that I have in my fridge I'm grateful for my dog my friends my family yes. and eventually you find more things to be I I, I agree for. <laughs> I think like definitely be, yeah that's a great hot tip is being yeah. knowing what you're grateful for because that's those are things worth living yeah. For. So, so, yeah. Um, where can people find you online? What do you have coming up next? Oh, thank you for asking. I, uh, you can find me on my website, MichaelaMyers.com. Um, uh-huh. I do a lot of different things. So check out my website and check out all the different things I do. And um, I'm very friendly. So feel free to reach out via my contact page. And I also am very excited. We have a short film that was in Austin and won the audience award at Austin Film Festival. This, thank you so much. We were, we're thrilled. My, my partner and I made it together. Um, and he and I directed it. He wrote it and starred in it. And then I have a small part in it as well. But he uh, he's great. So we're gonna release that sometime this spring after we finish our festival run. And that is a guaranteed laugh. It is very silly. So once that's out, you know, please follow along with me. And once that's out, I will bring you some joy. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks again for being here. And uh... thank you so much. I just love talking to you. It's so good to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope it made you feel a little bit less weird about whatever brain shit it is that you're going through. I've been your host, Kayla Dahl, and thank you so much for listening to Crying Behind Sunglasses. I really put my heart and soul into this show every episode, and it means a lot whenever I get messages from any of you telling me what this show means to you. So thank you. And uh, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you want to learn more about anything that we talked about on today's show, you can go to cryingbehindpod.com. That's where I post the episode guides, as well as more information about our guests. And you can follow me at Kayla Dahl on all of the things and uh, more info about Michaela Myers uh, in the show notes. Also, uh, the show you can find at Crying Behind Pod. That's where I post clips and different um, things about the show. So until next time, stay cool, stay present, stay sunny. (laughs) 